Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of the 10th of February, 2019. The podcast that put the pedal down to make some time. <laughs> this is your host, Shane Killian, and returning this week is Travis Retriever. Welcome back, Travis. Good to be back, Shane. Let's incinerate the news of the bogus. And we're starting out with more Article 13 Bogosity. This time it has to do with the deal struck between France and Germany. The dispute between them was that France had believed that the law should apply equally to all companies, while Germany wanted to exclude smaller companies with an annual turnover of less than 20 million euros. If you're wondering which country's government, Germany or France's deal, will be hating more at the end of this, don't worry, I promise you, you'll hate both of them equally by the time this section is over. <laughs> well, and this is the kind of thing we see that either you're doing you know, regulations that inhibit all companies, in which case the small fry are going to be left out, or they try to make an exception for the small fry, but that means that, you know, it's just like the uh, the healthcare thing. If you have 50 or more employees, then all these regulations kick in, so companies were hiring 49, but then they really didn't want to hire that 50th because the cost of hiring that 50th person was so much more. So. Yeah. That would do it. So they reached a compromise, which is one way of saying that France got their way everywhere except just on paper. Yeah, pretty much. It was exceptions that were so ridiculous that it was very unlikely that any company is going to qualify for all of them. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, there's three criteria, and they have to match them all. An annual turnover of less than 10 million euros, fewer than 5 million unique monthly visitors, and, and this is the real killer, publicly available for less than three years. That's some BS. <laughs> yeah, and that would exclude sites such like uh, Wikipedia, Ars Technica, GitHub, TechDirt, even Bugosity. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. A part that really made me almost do a spit take, and I wasn't even drinking anything, was... As it says, well, look, we have a lot of our comments, too. Yeah, because anything users post could potentially be infringing. Evidently. But the absolute thing that was just the worst was when they said, even for the tiny number of companies who do still qualify for the exception, the text of the directive still demands that they, quote, make best efforts to license work. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> Which means that the license holders can set any rate they want, and if you don't have license, they can accuse you of violating the law. So this also gives way to another worn-out claim of the copyright Nazis. 
Oh, well, you don't like copyright? Well, then just don't copyright the work you have. Well, never mind the fact that it's just like saying, well, if you don't like slavery, don't own slaves, Hergar. Well, and, and the way the laws are written, everything's copyrighted. You send a postcard to your Aunt Tilly in Peoria, it's copyrighted as soon as you write it. That's what the law says. Yay, legal bogosity. And even worse... There was a clause in the older draft that required copyright holders to tell platforms what was infringing. That clause has been removed, so platforms are going to have to figure out entirely on their own what content is infringing or run the risk of running afoul of Article 13. And there was a similar clause later on saying that this should be done in cooperation with rights holders. That's also been removed. So it's not uncommon for people to just all random copyright claims, like if they don't like you, or just to be botting. It sounds like this is going to make that stuff much worse. Well, check out what Alex Voss said. He's the MEP that's been pushing it forward. He says even this tiny exception is too much. Quote, What France and Germany have agreed is a new safe harbor for small platforms. It's something we can't accept. And of course, it's all because of those evil profits. Quote, this cannot continue to apply. The platforms do much more than simply providing the infrastructure, which is why they can make the profits they do. Right, because nobody ever made a profit by supplying infrastructure. No kidding. But yeah, it sounds like them and the entertainment industry are really going for broke here. They realize that this is their last best change to fundamentally change the internet. It's an attempt to completely wreck its intended purposes of communications medium and turn it into a broadcast medium instead of licensed content controlled by gatekeepers, read government cronyism and corporatism. I'm also reminded of the stuff you said that, that it seems like it's more like a protection mafia racket. And yeah, this is yet more proof of that, that the UK was absolutely in the right to, you know, at least try to leave despite still getting crap and BS from the EU. This is just ridiculous. And in case you think we were fear-mongering about them wanting to consider brief quotes to be infringement, quote, It is intended to prevent search engine providers such as Google and other internet platforms from using excerpts from press articles free of charge. Wow. Yeah, it just came right out and said it. And I mean, we know what's really going on here. These old entertainment behemoths are going broke because of the internet, so they need to do whatever they can to cripple it. And as I've said in a previous article on my Minds account, it's once it comes to truck cars free, or shameless plug. If all of Hollywood, all of the entertainment industry were to just vanish off the face of the earth, you know, go bankrupt, as absolutely horrible and crappy as the stuff they churn out is, would anyone really miss them? Yeah, and you would think that the people with real creativity would just, you know, have another avenue. I mean, just look at how many, you know, independent film producers and independent studios are trying to crop up all over the place. And it, more often than not, it's actually better than what the big giants produce. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. 
and as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And in another continuing saga, this time the fallout from FOSTA, it turns out that Craigslist removing their pages where people were posting erotic services might have led to an increase in women being murdered. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm reminded of this one bit when it showed, or something where they pointed out where they ended up banning the stuff, and cases of rape went up by as much as 50%. Yeah, we covered that earlier, too, when I think it was Rhode Island, they accidentally legalized prostitution and rapes went down. Yeah, so it's led to more women being murdered, and the feminists, of course, are silent. Imagine my shock! But we've talked before about how this has done nothing to stop sex trafficking, and it's even made it worse by inhibiting law enforcement's investigation methods, as many police departments and even the DOJ confirmed because they were using sites like Craigslist and uh, I forget what the other one was that they shut down, but they were using these sites in their investigations. And we also talked about how sex workers advertising on the Internet are able to do background checks of potential clients and protect themselves from potentially harmful individuals. Let me put it this way. Would you rather meet someone who's really dangerous first on the internet, where, you know, they can't actually reach out and stab or shoot you, or between an internet connection where all they can do is just words? I mean, this should not be a complicated concept, folks. Just saying. Well, a 2017 study showed that the introduction of the erotic services section on Craigslist coincided with a 17% drop in the homicide of females across many major cities. Now, a new study shows there's been a corresponding increase in female homicides since Craigslist got rid of the pages. So the study said, quote, by redirecting exchange through the clearinghouse and replacing more risky outdoor face-to-face -face transactions and or other intermediaries, e.g. pimps, with indoor direct transactions, matching online through the clearinghouse enables both sides of the market to discern the quality of the match ex ante through such activities as informal screening, circulating black and white lists, and online reviews. ERS significantly reduced female homicide rates by as much as 10 to 17%. We do not find evidence that this was a more general reduction in homicide as ERS is unrelated to male murder, females killed by an intimate partner, or manslaughters. This strengthens our assessment that ERS-driven changes in sex markets were the primary driver of the reduction in female murders. We interpret their estimates to be, at best, a lower bound. Our estimate of a 10% reduction in female homicides does suggest, though, that ERS created an overwhelmingly safe environment for female sex workers, perhaps the safest in history. So that it's at least 10 to 17%. Might even be more. And I'm sorry, but I gotta be the one to read this last part, because it really was a doozy. Now, this is not to suggest, caveat, caveat, that government officials and lawmakers pushing laws like FOSTA don't care about people's lives. I mean, I'm personally convinced that, you know, they don't, but, you know. But, they continue, I'm not sure what counterargument they can provide for legislation that not only results in increased harm to mostly women, 
harm that, you know, as we've said before, feminists are completely silent now because of bloody course they are, but also undercuts the immunity that has allowed the internet to thrive. I guess the old adage is being spun to read, it's better for dozens of sex workers to die in cold blood than for third-party service providers to go free. Yeah, then that's the thing. The alternative to Craigslist and Backpage, that was the other one I'm thinking of, the alternative to Craigslist and Backpage isn't no prostitution, it's street prostitution, which is far more dangerous. And pretty much everyone who had any knowledge or experience on it was warning them about this very thing before the passage of FOSTA. I'm shocked, I tell If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Okay, let's take a break with a bit of good news. Something that has been really bothering people for 20 years is websites autoplaying audio. Because, uh, I mean, I remember just when websites started doing that, everyone just complained about it all over the place. And originally, it was just individuals with badly designed websites, all sorts of animated GIFs and crazy colors and stuff like that. Oh, God. Yeah. But the internet culture en masse started shaming these people into knocking it off. The thing is... The problem only got worse, and it's even spread to so-called legitimate sites like CNN or USA Today, who just have to start playing their oh-so-wonderful news reports automatically at maximum volume. Oh, God, and I remember back when I was on Facebook, they pulled that crap, too. Yeah. Well, and that's happened on the podcast a couple of times. There's been a couple of bloopers. I think I included a couple of them where we're just talking and I'm there looking at the website and all of a sudden this CNN report starts playing. And I was like, oh, shut up. And it's getting into the audio. <laughs> well, finally, Firefox is doing something about it. Version 66, which is due out on the 19th of March, will block the autoplay of video and audio by default. Mozilla said on their developer blog, quote, we only allow a site to play audio or video aloud via the HTML Media Element API once a web page has had user interaction to initiate the audio, such as the user clicking on a play button. Without it, autoplay is only possible if the audio is muted. And as with most such settings on Firefox, there will be a whitelist where you can turn autoplay back on for specific websites that you choose. God, I mean, this kind of reminds me of, I think, a quip you made towards uh, Austin Peterson's website, how it's only like half a paragraph of text, then you have to click next each time. Yeah, because they're trying to get the page views up, yeah. And of course, because each new page view also means a chance for even more ads and other crap to spawn. Basically, one of those websites where... Before you go there, if you really have to, crank your ad blockers up to 11, yeah. at least. 
So right now there's a global setting to block autoplay, but it's difficult to turn off. You have to go into that about config place and know what you're doing. And there's no whitelist, so starting with 66, you have the option to enable autoplay just once, whitelist a website to always autoplay, always allow autoplay, or always block it. I'm also hoping that they have it be version 66.6, that way people can also make the Mark of the Beast <laughs> jokes about how we finally ended and slayed that 20-year-old demon of autoplayed audio and video. Even though the number's actually 616, not 666. 666. 666 is a later mistranslation. Oh. It was 616 before. <laughs> People don't know that. <laughs> 666 is just the... So Chrome has had a setting to disallow autoplay as well, but like Firefox, it's been difficult to get to and set, and it doesn't have the options that Firefox 66 will like the whitelist. So hopefully this is just the beginning and others are going to follow suit. We can dream. But I got to tell you, I've had autoplay turned off on Firefox for a while now. It is amazing how much faster the web is. Okay, so this is really good news for me for folks who are basically connected to the web by a potato called Verizon DSL, but I've ran uh, about that enough, so there we are. I gotta tell you, it, it, I, this is something I can rant about because you have pages that are just simple landing pages, their text, their graphics, there's maybe some JavaScript, and oh my god, they are so slow, even on my 200 megabit connection. Jesus! And it's like, what is wrong with people? They were faster loading back when I had DSL and it was 4 megabits, you know? Just because they put all this crap in. Mine's about, I think it's roughly just barely 1 megabit, like on a good day. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to subrogate this week's biggest bug on emitter. As Europe pushes forward with Article 13, it helps to be reminded of how idiotic the copyright takedown system is. We've seen it used against a creator's own work, public domain works of composers such as Beethoven, a YouTuber doing his own mic check, and even white noise. Now, the government of Kenya is upset over a YouTube copyright strike claiming ownership of their own national anthem. Wow. 
A YouTube channel claiming to be the largest in Africa posted a video, Top 10 Best National Anthems in Africa, with the Kenyan National Anthem as number one. But they soon got a copyright notification claim from AdRef Publishing on behalf of DeWolf Music. Yeah. And apparently this is kind of sort of supposed to be something like that's in the public domain, their national anthem. Well, it's written in 1963 by the Kenyan Anthem Commission. Ironically, right after they declared independence from Great Britain and DeWolf is a British firm. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I was reading that and thinking, like, that is, like, next-level stuff right there. Like, <laughs> wow. But the anthem is more than 50 years old, so that makes it public domain. Not only that, but the Kenyan Copyright Office claims absolute authority over the national anthem and, you know, all issues surrounding it. And so Kenya is stepping in there. Their Office of the Attorney General and Department of Justice said in a joint press release, quote, The national anthem is over 50 years old and has thus fallen into public domain. The alleged claim for copyright by this company or any other to the original rendition of the national anthem cannot therefore be supportive. The case of derivative must therefore fail on the above grounds as well. There are consultations between the Kenyan Copyright Board and relevant state departments on legal and administrative measures to prevent unauthorized copyright claim on the national anthem now and in the future. Furthering Mudding the Waters is the variant of the anthem uploaded to YouTube by DeWolf is not the same version as the one playing in the video it has attempted to take down. Yeah, well, I mean, because you could argue that if you do your own performance, that even though it's public domain music, your performance still has a right to it, but that wasn't going on here. Exactly. And it's unprecedented for a national government to actually step in and get involved in a YouTube copyright dispute, but, you know. Oh, God. It's just too easy for anyone to just claim content belonging to others as their own. I mean, you've gone into this, like, 12 years ago when you pointed out that, no, this wasn't a case of a quote-unquote good law gone bad. The DMCA, that is what generally allows these massive takedowns and other BS, was designed pretty much from the word go to be what we see today. Yeah, it's a feature, not a bug. And I've actually been pointing that out for more like 20 years, but... Oh, well... Yeah, and Europeans want an even more aggressive system now. Yeah. But yeah, yet more proof that, as we've said before, and despite even people's comments on one of your videos protesting otherwise... Copyright, IP, all that stuff is, and has always been, government censorship and control and corporatism and favoritism for cronies. It has always been about that, as well as monopolization of information to have it be centralized through the state. The rhetoric has changed as being pro-monopoly and pro-censorship, at least on its face, became less favorable to the public, but the actual policies, and of course the results, have not changed a whit. To actually try to associate that with libertarianism and the non-aggression principle is just massively dishonest. So all of that absolutely gives DeWolf Music and AdRef Publishing a joint biggest bogani emitter. That it does. You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now.
And now let's deprobate this week's Idiot Extraordinary. You'll want to hold on to your encryption keys and passwords and keep them private, but you'll also want to provide a means for your heirs to get them once you're gone, and that's doubly true for your business partners if you run a business. And that goes triply true if your business involves managing clients' money. But that's exactly what the founder of crypto exchange Quadriga CX didn't do, leaving its clients holding the bag to the tune of $262 million in cryptocurrency. Oh, so glad I wasn't using them. That would sting. Ooh. Gerald Cotton was the only one who knew the passwords to the crypto the exchange had in cold storage when he unexpectedly died in India in December due to complications from Crohn's disease. That includes $127 million in Bitcoin, $63 million in Ether, $9 million in Litecoin, $2 million in Bitcoin Cash, almost a million in Bitcoin SV, and almost half a million in Bitcoin Gold. Some crypto was still in hot wallets, and there were also some fiat holdings that the firm does have access to, but it's minimal compared to the amount lost in cold storage. And by the way... They were also unable to access some $39 million in Canadian money and $2.4 million in U.S. dollars because of problems with the payment processors. Just in case you thought there were no problems with fiat, the SEC is actually suing one of the processors on unrelated fraud charges. So CNN was also verifying themselves to be fake news, if not full-blown conspiracy mongers, by saying that, oh, well, the guy's demise was faked or it's pretext for an exit scam by other parties with access to the holdings. Yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around about that. I pride myself on being at least having enough brain cells to not be one of the few atheist ANCAPs who also isn't a hardcore conspiracy theorist. Unlike stock exchanges, which merely facilitate transactions, most crypto exchanges hold the cryptocurrencies for their customers. In most cases, customers can't even export the private keys for their own wallets on the exchange. And this has led many crypto enthusiasts to observe, if you don't have the keys, you don't have the coins. Personally, I prefer using something, the one that you suggested. I think it was called uh, Jax. Well, they've actually recently updated to Jax Liberty. I can't get the dang thing to properly work for desktop, but it does work on my phone, so that's a thing. Try Coinomi. Coinomi has a desktop version now, and they work pretty well, too. And all you need to do is just, uh, in Jax, just take that big, long word list and just pull it up into Coinomi, and you'll have access to all the same coins and everything. They're both good wallets. So one thing he could have done was give the keys to a probate attorney, which would have given them to his business partners. Like, I know that even you as of something of an advocate of trust no one, I think something like this might be a bit of an exception to that not trusting anyone stuff. Well, and the United States and Canada both have really strong attorney-client privilege protections. If you're living in a different country, then you might want to do something a little more TNO, like uh, Shamir's secret sharing, which is where you divide the secret up among your business partners and then they can get together and reconstruct it. I mean, that's good to know. So there are options, and LastPass also has this uh, dead man switch where if you don't log into LastPass for whatever you said, a week or a month or whatever, if you don't log into LastPass during that time, then it sends a one-time password for your LastPass vault to the email addresses that you've put in. So... But since he didn't do any of those things, this has ended up kind of being the mother of all cautionary tales. Yeah! Holy crap! 
<laughs> yeah, no arguments here. Now, I have to throw a brick bat at the CBC, and this isn't the conspiracy thing like you were saying with CNN, but when they reported on this, they quoted Calgary customer Elvis Kavalik, who said, quote, This is a tough lesson learned. I would probably avoid cryptocurrency in the future. The thing is, the word cryptocurrency is in brackets. He actually said something else. Yeah. Please understand, everyone, this is not a problem with cryptocurrency. It's a problem with exchanges. Crypto allows each holder to manage his or her own keys and gives complete control over them. And exchanges, as I explained, just don't work that way. And for the record, I'm pretty sure that a uh, cryptocurrency wallet is not the same thing as an exchange. Right, yeah, a wallet is where you have the keys and you control them. Yeah. I thought that was really weird how it was in brackets like that. But no, I would say don't avoid cryptocurrency, just avoid really questionable crypto exchanges. Or rather, even better, just have it be in your own wallet that you manage. Yeah. Well, it's like Coinbase, from everything I can tell, is a really good company. And, you know, I wouldn't distrust them. But at the same time, I would just have the amount of crypto in there that I'm expecting to have to exchange in the short-term future. Everything else, you just move them over to a wallet that you manage, that you have the keys to. Now, the CBC also quoted people saying that this is why government needs to step in and regulate cryptocurrency. Okay, you know you wanted to say how you were throwing a brick at them? I'd like to throw the whole house at them for that. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, and what none of them said was what regulations could possibly do about a situation like this. Yes. Magical government will apparently ascend from on high and use their magical omniscient powers to defeat the evil mathematics. I can tell you to do more by running Hashcat against the database and see if it can suss out his password and kind of hope he used a little bit of a weak one, you know? Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, if he was uh, lacking in foresight enough to do it like this, who knows, maybe we'll get lucky. But then again, if he was really paranoid, like, enough to do... To not tell anyone, maybe he went crazy with a crazy strong one, so... Maybe. It's a crapshoot, basically. <laughs> yeah, but this was 100% avoidable with just a couple of simple precautions. Cotton should have taken those precautions, and his business partners should have made sure he did as well. So that has to make Quadriga CX this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Dig That Hole, Forget the Sun edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate to Shane DK on PayPal, or if you want to use crypto, you can donate at altcoins.bogosity.tv. You can also contribute at patreon.bogosity.tv or subscribestar.bogosity.tv to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. And hopefully someday we might even be able to set up recurring payments like we have with Patreon only for cryptocurrency. I am looking into options about that, yeah. I'd love to see if I could set up something on WooCommerce, but... We'll just have to see. Yeah. Or just visit my YouTube channel or website using the airtime extension at airtime.bogosity.tv. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Travis Drever for joining me. It's good to be here, especially when we actually have good news. Until next time, here's a quote from Roger Veer. Bernie Madoff was regulated up and down in every which way, and it didn't do any good. He ran away with everyone's money. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.
capacity. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Just one last thing since you added the quote for me to spin into more material. Some will say, oh, but they caught the guy, and so he won't be able to use the wealth. Yeah, but remember, courtesy of math, Ponzi scams always self-destruct after a few years. So, if anything, they did him a favor. Those people like pre-Noah's Ark flood thing, saying that they were like 900 plus or 600 years old, that that was actually, I think, maybe a mistranslation or a misnomer, how it was actually how many moons old or something like that. They were not how many years? Well, it, it's weird because they had, what was it? Was it a base 6 numbering system or a base 5 numbering system or something? They weren't using base 10. And so when they were translating it into later numbering systems, they kind of fouled it all up. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So now people think that <laughs> there was a 600-year-old man who built a fucking boat and a bunch yeah. of other weird stuff and a guy named Methuselah who lived to be almost a millennium old. Yeah. Like, if you really want to depressed, like, go to that first link and start reading the comments about how this person says, Yeah, well, then I guess we take the internet with us. Or if we have our own internet in Europe, then I guess we'll, you can stay with go- the Gopher days because we invented HTTP protocol and all this. Oh, God, that one, and I'm thinking, And I'm trying, basically screaming in the inside of my head going, Most of the stuff for the internet was developed privately and independently, you freaking walnuts. Netscape is actually a lot more responsible for the web as we know it than Tim Berners-Lee. Imagine my shock.